You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome back to the Watch Long Critical Commentary Podcast, uh, the Riverdale gang. I always feel awkward saying that. I need to work on that. Recorded here on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Uh, today with special guests from Treaty 8 Territories, uh, my co-host Channing. Uh, here covering for Chloe's parental leave. And Chloe hasn't popped yet, but any day now. Definitely before the next episode of Riverdale. That's that's the time metric I'm using for all existence. Uh, anyway, hi Channing. <laughs> Hi Ryan, you know that would be a wonderful thing for uh, for for baby, I guess, is you know rather than a birth date. Oh, this was the episode you were born upon. Um, oh God, I kind of like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's dystopian. Here's a podcast I made when you were born. Oh, I'm not going to think too hard about that. Um, I guess Riverdale didn't give us all that all that much meat to chew on this week, unfortunately. Uh, so we're you know wandering. It's American Psycho, sort of. I was excited for the musical episode, and I was excited for the American Psycho, and I was trepidatious for the serial killer con. But, okay, it was going to happen. Yeah, the the killer con was just... What a concept. I mean, you know, we could just... It, it, it promised so much, and all we got was Betty's anxiety... Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of lackluster musical numbers, to be honest. And it yeah. really wasn't quite, uh, wasn't what we were anticipating or hoping for at least. So there's so much, um, going on behind the scenes here because, um, American Psycho is, uh, composed by Duncan Sheik, uh, best known for sp- the recent Spring Awakening the last two couple decades, um, Matt Smith was the original performer, who Kevin Keller is mostly singing Matt Smith, Doctor Who Matt Smith. Um, and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa wrote the book. So, weirdly, he's one of the original core creators of the original show, and has presumably an entirely different relationship to this work than, say, Next to Normal last year in which we did a full and creative musical episode. Um, I felt like they were hitting the musical episode button a little bit, and rather than than making great use of this wild opportunity of, of direct creator remix, um, a little bit phoned in for a musical episode. Meh. We got a yeah. union song. Yeah, not quite what we were, not, it didn't bring its usual um, gumption, I guess, the usual energy that we would get out of a musical episode in this one. Um, that said, I think we did get to see a little bit of the continued uh, character development that we've seen, we've seen over the last uh, little while. Um, we saw, um, mm-hmm. you know, Betty back in that situation of being, they told to put on the mask. You know, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. We saw this with the Black Hood, uh, mm-hmm. at which point, you know, she did put on that mask and we have a different outcome this round. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we saw Cheryl. Um, yes, she did go ahead and put a curse 
on her uh, her ex-lover. And that does seem, you know, very Cheryl from Once Upon a Time from high school. Um, but we also saw in the same episode a reverse course and her approaching somebody mm. for help, um, turning things around and, you know, trying to make right in the situation that she had in, it, she had just created the wrong. Um, yeah, so we get yeah. to see that that character development continue a bit. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, that that's that's to me been something that has really come out very strongly in the last few episodes mm. is just uh, the growth of the characters, the growth of some of the friendships. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we see B and V again in this situation, yes. Um, yes. you know, some tender human moments. Uh, you know, it, it, it felt very uh, it felt very real and relatable to a certain extent, um, mm-hmm. much more so than you know, than other episodes which are focused on our uh, our superhumans here. And we didn't see, did we see any powers? Well, I guess we saw, we saw the Percival. curse and Percival's, but we didn't yeah. really see much of our, uh, our heroes in their powers in this round, did we? It was not in focus. And um, one of my broad criticisms would be how tiny a spotlight the the superhero union side got, how, t- how contained that story was. Um, but yeah, you name a lot of things that I, I did really enjoy. Um, I'm excited to revisit this with um, with freshly let down expectations, so I can maybe focus on the good stuff a little bit more. There's some good stuff. Some of the choreography is fun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, there's I don't know if there's too much to add this episode. It was kind of a holding place of a lot of the the storyline. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we Small didn't really steps. get. Well, very small steps. Um, We now, did we know before that Haley's, that Bailey's, sorry, Bailey's comment had anything to do with the the ghost train? Did we know that before? Is that new news? I don't think so. And I think that's another one of those River Vale nuggets that they gave us that is back into relevance. Um, Right. Yeah. So once again, I need to rewatch the first half of the season. Um, Shall we jump in, Channing? Ready when you are. Excellent. Uh, queuing up your Riverdale recordings of choice, gang, to Badoom, Netflix Badoom, or other whatever pirate pirate sound you get. In three, two, one. Badoom ba, and then there's another sound. You're not gonna so try was... the Warner Brothers sound. <laughs> no, been there, done that. I liked this conference table on the note of um, friendship and like interesting interpersonal connections. I liked this conference table that we swept in on. Um, just the character dynamics of this table of five people. There's, there's, there's Charles. There's something weird about Charles being an asset suddenly just because he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, that one definitely got me off guard a little bit as well. I was a little worried as to what Charles was going to get up to. Um, yeah, I don't trust him. <laughs> um, I'm delighted that he knows how the fan circuit works for serial killers <laughs> as a as a B-list serial killer himself. 
Yeah. And absolutely, <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I think he's absolutely B-list. Uh, dude was a fed. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. And then classic, you know, we're going to use uh, Betty for bait. Mm-hmm. And somehow she's just going to pick him out. Well, I guess she has her powers, but it's a serial killer mm-hmm. convention. So, I mean, they should just be going crazy anyway. And has it she is... seen TBK with her powers? Does she know what his aura looks like? No, he was invisible the last time. And she's, uh, a lot of the lead up to this was her upgraded powers. But we never once see them in play this episode. We never see Betty Eye perspective. Um Rather, we find ourselves as the audience looking for the guy in the trash bag costume, in the, co- the, in the correct cosplay at the con, which is broken logic for anyone who knows a con. Oh yes, um, I also love that this is uh, based on a Brett, Brett Easton Ellis novel, um, just because of who Brett Weston Wallace was through so much of the show. Just... Circling back in on to Ouroboros, eat your own references from new angles. Mm-hmm. All right, comment. so here's our exactly. We get our Bailey's comment reference, and it's just another nod to um, this blended Riverdale Rivervale that's coming. Frank is such a. Has found his niche as head minion, I guess, but just just family question mark. <laughs> I don't know how Frank's coming back from this one. It's a lot of well, mind control. Just, I mean, you say you don't know how Frank's coming back. We oh. have Charles at the table. Okay, okay, um, yeah, 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 no, okay. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> Me, audience-wise, Frank was on the edge with me as it was, I think. I don't care about his relationship with Archie. I care about his relationship with me, the critical viewer. (laughs) Very fair. Tabitha's leadership, the only juggie we get. Literally just a drop of psychic jug. Staring down the portal between two worlds, perhaps. But leaving us completely unaware... We don't get to know. Not yet. We mostly step out of magic space, except for a curse or so, which isn't such visible magic space. Oh man, this fabulous work from from Madeline Petch in um, expressing suppressed emotions through through a plastered on face mask and and like successfully acting repressed horror, perhaps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> very much so with, with a couple of people who can see right through her character yeah it's yeah and invite her to the bachelor party bachelorette party to the party that's what one always does with their exes 100% um. actually I mean <laughs> by gay rules not not normal <laughs> alright alright not entirely not normal. Uh, how do we... Okay. Ja- Agent Drake continues to develop as there are some problems and contention, and I'm not sure if this character is entirely 
in the good or the bad or the selfish or the the altruistic here. Heather is sitting solidly in this altruistic space, I find. And um, what is... Um, is that oh, a quack I'm noise? So, that is a duck. <laughs> Lovely. That is a duck. We have been duck bombed. <laughs> Do- you, you have a duck in your house? No, you have a duck toy. Nima has a, a duck toy. Well, anyway. SlaughterCon. Um. Nima, the dog, wanted in on SlaughterCon and tried in on the duck. <laughs> so uh, I was... That's okay. I was almost was... here for this first number. Sorry, yes. Well, that was... That was dog life. Special mm-hmm. guest. Yeah, I'm excited to see this uh, this a second time over because again the first round it just didn't quite uh, mm-hmm. quite hit so well. So I've been listening to the sound the original soundtrack of this a fair bit the last couple of weeks, and um, I was surprised not to not to hear a lot of familiarity and like um, to hear vocal pipes and takes that weren't a direct reference. Like I, mm, they weren't just doing the London show. They were they were mm. doing these Rivergadale characters doing a take on on many of these numbers. Um I think um uh the it only matters what you wear. Oh god, what's the title? We'll we we'll get there. The the fabulous um group number of the Bachelorette party uh, was perhaps my favoritely executed, but also the closest to the original, uh, in mm-hmm. arrangement. But again, mm-hmm. we have the original book writer composing this, so it it's 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 walking that weird that slight weird canon fanon, but in Broadway musical territory. Right. Yeah, that's a. Uh... Once again, it's just, uh, we just, why are we doing a circular convention again? Like, it's just yeah. all the knives, <laughs> just everything, you know, they, like, yeah, sure, we zeroed in on mm-hmm. one single person. And, uh, you know, what are we unleashing we on the town? What are we welcoming into our town right now? This guy, this low rent Michael Sarah here, is who you've invited to Riverdale. Ah. <laughs> I think Casey caught got plenty to chew on, um, but it did feel quite separate separate from the plot. Like he got a yeah. few dropped in numbers. Betty's numbers very integrated. Um, the the Bachelorette group numbers integrated, um, and it does travel mm-hmm. us through. But I don't. Yeah, I I never feel like. You know, it, it's not KJ Appa singing his feelings at any point that I'm seeing. It is no. It's a weird mix of diagenic in-world music that happens to pace us and score us, but not. It's no. It's no Alice singing her sorrows. No, but that's I, like they do do a good job of you know explaining how it fits mm. into the. Uh... Like having a having a reason for this. Like if it doesn't fit in the story, yeah. they've made it fit the story, <laughs> even if it's not fitting the characters, because of the con <laughs> meeting and it entertain its own entertainment and not. 
Yes. Um, it's 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 kind of a jukebox musical approach to to the 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 rep more of like here are characters using this music to tell a fresh situation in a new puzzle as percival bled um after any after using his powers before i, I don't, don't think, think so. so we're seeing some sort of weakening i think we saw jughead lead like that we did point. yeah we did mm-hmm Hmm. So I wasn't Perhaps expecting them to make his powers. make this uh, such a core plot beat. The agent Drake understands the dark. I'm not surprised, I guess, but I. It was a lot this episode. It was a lot of this episode, and yay for Betty having a bisexual awakening. If this is where that happens, but with her, okay. Well, I mean, there has they they have really been playing into the, uh, you know, Betty's fears about whether or not she's evil, whether she is of the darkness, um, the darkness mm-hmm. that's inside her. So, it it, it fits, it fits. Uh, it's not um, mm-hmm. it's not super nuanced, but it fits. <laughs> it clumps along. Um. Cheryl and Kevin. Kevin makes bad life decisions again, and he cannot blame the mind control this time. You do not curse your ex who you're suing for custody. You know, I, I just, just, there's too much, Kevin. There's too much. Your artistic integrity does not compensate for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wild little, like, beats of truth and then cartoon in the whole union plot. Um, Tabitha feeds the strikers. And like, yes, local local community business and organization with capital that they will reinvest into the community are in fact a critical part of union organizing sometimes. There's there's a different types of capitalism. And it's it's um it feels entirely like Union for Dummies 101, and we so need it collectively as a as a as a large societal conversation. Like, I wish it were a touch more nuanced, but I guess we really, really do need the basic vocab. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they do a great job of, you know, reminding us that uh, mm-hmm. music plays an important part in many movements. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it has historically many times. So um, mm-hmm. that moment that we get is a... Uh, it's kind of lovely in a suit. It's a little bit hokey, but it's quite lovely to a certain extent. I also love how easy this was. Seeing <laughs> someone like there's, there's no they, they just they, they did not embellish that at all. They just yep. you know please yep. curse this person. Done. Yeah. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Mundane magic now. Um, I also love how instantly this song just siren summons everyone back. They sing a moderately well-known union song from a particular era of suffrage movements and it's lovely and it's i think clearly chosen for tabitha's voice um and it's strange seeing one union ballad anthem on on a special episode soundtrack with four american psycho numbers (laughs) that's that's a little weird (laughs) There's a misalignment. 
<laughs> it's fair. Um, but you know what? It really does help to, um, mm-hmm. with this episode, they, Drake has been talking, Drake has been uh, putting so many doubts, mm-hmm. I think. Well, not necessarily just her, but putting doubts in Betty's head about Archie. And I feel like this really, um, you know, whether or not he understands the darkness. And uh, this really does sort of uh, do a really great job of painting him in in a bright light. And of course, we cut straight to them, right? Uh, you can't, you can't help but uh, you can't miss mm. the contrast. I, I don't know if Agent Agent Drake's growing on me as a as a figure. I'm not sure if it's just the the wonderfully bisexual Betty now uh, that they've gifted us hugely. Um, but I still don't trust her. I guess I'll. I've decided to take her as they're presenting her. Mm-hmm. Well, she's attracted to the dark. She's just, she's definitely mm-hmm. said that, but that doesn't mean you know that attraction doesn't mean that she is herself a malevolent force, and mm-hmm. she hasn't done anything to make us suspicious yet, has she? I mean, mm-hmm. other than you know potentially come between these two lovers, but yeah, yes, um, that's you know. Oh, that's life, right? Even so, even uh, that she tries to do fairly respectfully as much as you can in maybe a workplace uh, romance situation, which is always going to be awkward um, and carefully tread. But um, but then she does push just a little bit. You're totally into me, right? You're to- you you are. Which I can imagine yeah. if you yeah if you were getting those vibes. Well, and even with what she did, she decided to do her presentation on, right? Yeah. On the attraction. I can't remember the term. I'm sorry. But or to do the presentation on the attraction is like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a, a soft elbow to the end of the ribcage for, <laughs> you know, come on, let's, uh, let's talk about this. Let's deal with this. You're it's like cute, me, right? Cute um, little flirt. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how one tends to... Uh, plan their uh, conference presentations, right? Is uh, anything to break the ice with your crush. <laughs> hey, fan fan conventions, you can have... It's not that different from doctor conventions and professional conventions. You meet people who are, are... who totally get you and share all your interests. There can be adventures, but not usually people you already know, necessarily. So, okay, we curse the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have a moment of realization coming right up here. Yeah, we accidentally cursed the baby. Oops, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good face. Again, well played, like well acted. Yeah, just mm-hmm. when did this just happen? Is it me? Was it me? Did I do this? Am I mm-hmm. the person who just cursed your baby to, to illness? Um then not not yeah, not circling around immediately. Oh, I'm gonna fix this. Yep, immediate regrets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin is is presenting as a worse and worse parent <laughs> at every stage. <laughs> not only did he curse yeah, the child yeah. unintentionally, even if he was just cursing their parents, that's still not cool. <laughs> Truly, right? Like, you must know that that, cursing the parents has got to, uh... Gonna impact the kid. 
it, you know, well, it's going to impact the kid. Yeah. Put the kid at more risk and, and, uh, yeah, no, definitely not holding up his bargain as a co-parent at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. In any way. B and V time. This is always refreshing. Love it. Yeah, it is. It's really nice to see this friendship growing again. Mm-hmm. And they, they often use these conversations to, um, to cut through. I've, I've noticed to cut through self-reflection, problem, character decision moments. Like they, they, they really help each other make decisions and make move, make steps forward in plot progressions. Um, and and usually ones that those characters would really struggle to come to on their own. Right. Well, and isn't that what friendship is so often, though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Narrative, um, <laughs> narrative spice. Yeah. I love how also they they pull out here that Veronica's in so many ways way darkens darken gloomier, moodier, creepier than Betty is. Like she's got a lot of murder in the background around she's her. She's got a lot of sadness even. Yeah. A lot of sadness even at the same time, you know. We see yeah. her like she is the the Black Widow. She is alone right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rogue style cannot touch alone. Yeah. And this is a fair... I, I do like this front part of the friendship as well. Yeah. This, uh, yeah. this protection here. That's quite, quite lovely. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, I don't necessarily think Drake's completely in the wrong, but Veronica does that well and does that like a good protective friend. And Heather is a midwife, because mm-hmm. all witches, I'll take it. Sure. I mean, whether it's true or not, or, you know, <laughs> she's actually a registered midwife or... That's just the illusion that we're selling right now so we can take this curse <laughs> off. Like, whatever works, I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. What a conversation. Hey, I need you to uncurse my ex's baby for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Again, though. But, you you know, <laughs> coming to that so quickly for Cheryl, um, mm-hmm. I, I just see that as growth. I mean, as much as I know mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. shouldn't have cursed the baby in the first place. She shouldn't have cursed Tony or tried to involve herself. The fact that she turned it around so quickly, you know, saw that she did wrong and then just jumped on it to remedy things. Yeah. That's, uh, that's progress for her. I mean, we just saw, um, you know, not that long ago that when everybody first got back to Riverdale, we saw all this growth in all the ca- in all the characters. Mm. But Cheryl was still high school Cheryl. She was still throwing those hissy fits the same way. And I think yeah, we're yeah. just seeing her grow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what a wild choice of interview to have Alice interview her daughter <laughs> in this context. Like, that's... What is appropriate? What is journalistic ethics? And <laughs> she's so freaking cold, too. And then what did they expect to happen when they had an open line? How are they not prepared for this trap? <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is, is a... It's exactly what they wanted to happen. 
everyone seems so taken off guard. <sighs> yeah, it's it is quite interesting that they're like they they built this trap and then they they weren't prepared. Did they didn't even trace this? Did they? There's no talk about a trace no. or anything afterwards. Nothing. We don't touch on mm. that at I guess, all. It seems she like just, they prepared for the eventuality that he would appear in person, but yes. not, you know, from a cell phone. Because, of course, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you opened an anonymous line and didn't. Yep. Just, just, uh, there's, a, there's a lot about this episode that is deeply, deeply contrived. Um, and I, I kind of have to just accept that that's the vibe this episode, because the union structure is so, like, uh, one, two, three, step, done. Um, this, how this mm-hmm. serial con plays out, it happens quite rapidly. It's, you know, uh, thing, thing, thing. We don't have any time to sit in the space. It's very condensed. The, and that's, a, that, that changes how this is all received. Right. That's just good advice for anything. (laughs) Just such good advice. Witchcraft is so often just really good advice that's been repeated out of and lost most of its context. (laughs) I... Hmm. I enjoy this scene. It's very tender. Um, and yet you can, you can see that it's hard, but it's, uh, there's a vulnerability to it that yeah, we don't yeah. get from Cheryl very often. You know, she's a very, uh, guarded character. Um, very much, very much. And it, it's, uh, we see where she's also a very sensitive creature and, but to actually see her display that sensitivity, not just as anger, but as vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Heather's a really good match for her in this way. It's nice to see this. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever thinking in terms of um i guess shipping tropes of couple tropes just they seem like a good match and they seem like a healthy match but do they fit the genre that we're playing is is what makes me worry about them and maybe hold back from investing Mm. now i okay i actually like this number um and i think it's probably the best adapted number from the original into into this world even though it makes maybe no sense any of the me- lyrics any of the song here is just about nothing going on here but they do it so nicely <laughs> <laughs> and i really love the style and choreo of this uh bringing our supporting and day players in to sing a little just uh Mm-hmm. And I actually enjoyed this song. <laughs> you know, it kind of makes sense that there's nothing really going on. I mean, the the idea of you are what you wear yeah. is kind of you know that it's important. It, Self expression is important, but uh, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of substance behind that necessarily. So mm-hmm. you know, nothing happening. That, and it's um. I think it's very satirical in the original staging. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think they're 
you know, this is Aguirre Sakazu who wrote the book and who wrote these lyrics. He can't be unaware of that. Um, but it's almost like they can play it straight in this world and still be satirical. Mm-hmm. But it, like it, it, the 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 type of commentary transitions over from the thick, thick satire to the the cartoony pastiche of Archie realm. Um, mm-hmm. I only wish we got more wide shots of the group because there is some great Saint Corio, and there is gr- some great potential tableaus there during the voguing that I wish I saw. And uh, this also exists in full recording form, although I don't think we use it nearly as much as we use the other songs. Mm-hmm. More Kevin Doctor Whoing. Matt Smith is not Doctor Who, just my closest association. Matt Smith has a rich and robust career, also Prince Albert, and a bunch of other cool roles. Prince Albert? Prince Philip. Blah. Whatever. Old royal man. Mm-hmm. Distracting me from my Kevin Keller. I... So, we have the Betty conflict coming here. Um, mm-hmm. All things considered... Like, of, of course this is part of the performance, but... Like, I don't blame Betty for completely interrupting this, you know? As Kevin does a mm-hmm. pantomime, brief musical version of hammering through all the murders from American Psycho in single-song form. Um, like, you put a trash bag killer when you're on stage when you're trying to catch a trash bag killer, and you don't ca- tell the agent hunting the trash bag killer that, that it's not the real trash bag killer in advance, and... You just, you can't really complain when it gets jumped mid-act. That's just oversight. No. They need a stage manager. Yeah. Well, it does seem like that she does see the real TBK and Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. sees the fake TBK. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that moment, well, you've got to, got to react. So... But how did they not plan for all the TPK cosplay? That's that's the yeah. one thing that like, uh, you, yeah, you know how to convention. Uh, yeah, there's just this. I guess I should probably just accept the the suspended reality that this is how this is playing out, and I guess they didn't think of it, but because it's not, yeah. You know, well, people <laughs> have some pretty big. Uh, Big misses, though. I mean, you know, we see things like, uh, we'll teach you how to, like, during the pandemic, we'll teach you mm. how to, uh, this is a course on how to check your email and to register. Please kindly send us an email. Um, <laughs> I feel like like things like that get right, missed right, all right. the time. I saw that. That was a real thing. Yes. So, you know, this is just one of those where mm-hmm. it, 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 it <laughs> the lack of oversight, the fact that somebody didn't think that through Right. That feels real to me. <laughs> That's okay. very possible. Very, very true. Betty Betty having shocked Pikachu face meme a lot is is mm-hmm. is kind of true of half baked ideas that your serial killer brother spits out while dying. <laughs> Fair. 
And Archie continues to be a perfect puppy dog, which has been sort of his yeah. arc the last several episodes. Yeah, and you know, I feel like the last little while we're seeing a lot of kitchen table talks. Mm. And uh, and that kind of has an interesting... Uh, it's, it's an interesting vibe that it brings to things. You know, we used to be in school and then we mm-hmm. were just dealing mm-hmm. with the chaos of fires and uh explosions and and just to see these calm moments of you know kitchen table sitting down with Mm -hmm. a cup of tea like how many of our scenes have been over the table with a cup with a cup in hand it it really is uh yeah yeah um it's a it's an aesthetic it's a it's a choice they're making right now it's it's bringing a mood yeah it i it draws out the intimacy of their relationship rather than showing them you know, just as characters out and about, um, so much of their processing is happening together, even when their plots are not combined or bumping or 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 intertwined. Even just processing together, it's it's very and not intimate. Even just Be- mm-hmm. and not even just Betty and Archie, but um, you know, I think we've seen quite a few round table just chats, mm-hmm. and it's uh, yeah, lots of processing going on, like you said. Yeah, that's. Hmm. I wonder if that's a if that's a being a grown up beat thing that you have to spend a lot more time discussing the complicated, ridiculousness. We used to see all their parents do this, but it never solved anything. But now that they're the ones at the well, table, well, they're not solving anything either right now, are they? <laughs> well, no. We still have some union busting going on. We still have. Uh, we still have a ghost train to come in. We still have ghost witches train. on the cursing babies. and Somewhere comes Sabrina. I wait for it. B&B process together. Archie and Betty process together. What is this, what is this show y- using and showing supportive relationships and community support systems effectively? What, what new thing is this? wild this is the maybe the novel revelation of the riverdale uh contemporary media is that they're actually letting these ensemble characters talk to each other um you know i can't i can't tell you how many past ensemble shows um i found suffered from forgetting that these characters are supposed to have a relationship aside from the hijinks um and that's something that they are doing yeah doing especially you know i think one of the things i find a little bit interesting about betty processing so much of this archie her her turmoil with archie through veronica Mm -hmm. is that you know we're getting veronica's reactions like as if this is what would happen if she were the one who was in the relationship with archie as well Mm -hmm, so we mm -hmm, do kind mm -hmm. of get a little bit of uh oh yeah like we still get that hint of uh of uh you know is uh, uh, Veronica and Archie? Is that is that something that we're yet to see again? Because we see, at least at least that's I don't right. know that's the way I'm thinking of it a little bit. Yeah, is that yeah. I'm seeing how this is how Veronica could, and she's treating you know and through Betty, she's treating treating Archie with dig- dignity as well, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. for the classic Riverdale trope of you know that mm. love triangle, I can't help but still feel a little bit of that through that through that relationship yeah 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 but presented in 
maybe the healthiest way. Um, with a little contrast of the jug, Jughead Betty, some emotional infidelity and high school things. Like, out of all the, the places of conflict, we've seen so much um, supporting each other and happy for each other in whatever form of relationship they are choosing at the moment. Whatever assembly. Um, just delightfully supportive. Yeah. I'm still kind of holding out for a, a massive, healthy, polyamorous sort of situation. Um, but, you know, adding Agent Drake expands that into a slightly more complicated shape. And then if we start adding it, it you know, is Reddy still attached? How many ways? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I didn't recognize this song uh, at first. Um, I'm not sure if it just didn't stick with me from the soundtrack or if this take is, is actually quite different, but uh, it's um, it's quite a mood switch from, again, what I was expecting from American Psycho the Musical episode. Um, this montage is... Uh, is a strange device for them to pull. I feel like they might be referencing a genre or structure or, or beat of mystery storytelling that I'm just not catching here. Um, something in horror, maybe, or thriller. Because hmm. this, this gave me some good thriller <laughs> kicks here. Yeah. The things that we see through that window... Like, I just, I'm just never going to get over. Like, if you're going to, if you're going to move away from home to get some distance from home. Yep. Yep. <laughs> your bedroom window just can't look at your childhood bedroom window. Um, because this is the second serial killer we've seen through that window. No, third, third serial killer we've seen through that window in two episodes. Like, my goodness. Or I guess we're. We're counting Alice as a serial killer. Uh, yes, no, she has killed Alice before. She, she has killed she has multiple killed before. people. <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody's talking about that, but uh, she really is the perfect host for uh, <laughs> for that. Like, she, she is a serial killer. Let's, we won't, won't talk about it, but it's because she's one uh, of the good guys, question mark? Uh, yeah, she curious. Well, question mark, question mark. We've got the cult leader. We've got a couple of bodies. So we've got a couple of, like, accomplices. Anyway. If you need to debate it. <laughs> now, why doesn't she have her own gun? Would you, would you not carry your own gun all the time in this scenario? So I'm not usually an advocate for carrying your own gun, but yeah, I mean, if you're a trained FBI agent and yeah. you're running a serial killer convention to attract <laughs> a very high profile serial killer mm -hmm. um, who is after you specifically, yes, mm -hmm. this would be a situation where I would say, yeah, you should carry your own gun. Mm -hmm. So. So this is the climax of the serial killer con, which disappoints me a little bit as a, as a fan of fan conventions. I must say, 
it's like, this isn't the catharsis of the end of an event. I know it's not remotely about that. We're not focused on presenting a serial killer con. That's not even the subject. It's just the hook today. But I guess I like positive representations of fandoms. Even this one. Fair. I do like, though, that we're, we're here we are. We're right back at the, the symmetry of her father asking, making her put on the mask. Making yep, her, yep, you yep. know, as, as he did um, so many seasons ago as yeah. a black hood and now she's being presented with a mask again and this time no she pulls the trigger she has grown mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's not dealing with that anymore and i'm assuming that unlike when she shot her dad or you know this time we're mm-hmm. not grazing him where this is tbk is gone um, but we don't actually see it so yeah well well i guess we do yeah we yeah do. Here we are. but we don't i mean i'm they fake out fake out killed black hood more times than we than I can count. So whether True. that's actual TPK or not, I don't know. I also don't care in this moment, quite nicely. Fair. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy to take it as as a powerful closing beat, like the end of a book in a series. But I don't. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the end of the plot. However, that expresses going forward um like i was fully expecting them to pull pull off the tbk mask and find low rent michael sarah again for the third time (laughs) i kind of was too Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe they do want to leave us hanging because you know maybe it's not the real tbk when we saw tbk in the Mm. what what betty saw at the con Mm -hmm. um he was wearing a, a white vest rather than Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. the garbage bags that he's he's fully in right in this scene so yeah. um you know maybe that was a maybe that was a clue that we don't have the right tbk at the moment but she seemed mm-hmm. pretty sure she spent a couple of weeks down in that well hearing his voice so you know it would <laughs> seem likely that she would be able to pick him out yes and that she would check the body given that they've shown us clearly that she has the body right there that she would double check Eventually. Eventually. I mean. <sighs> yeah. Also, poor showing, Charles. Poor showing. You were supposed to be a qualified serial killer yourself. Like, I'll give Alice the, yeah. the L. She she often plays from mid crisis. She's a serial killer too. Sure. But... Yes. I'm, I'll give you the L because her strategies are often jumping in with violence midway. You know, like the cult. She just got into the cult and jumped in midway with some violence. But Charles, mm, sloppy. Mm-hmm. And puppy dog. Once again, emotional support animal, Archie. I accept it. Hmm. I would. Yeah, this little blast from the past is adorable, but. I would also accept if the Sunday of SlaughterCon was the whole next episode. You know, just throwing that out there, world. I don't think that's the case at all, but I could go back to SlaughterCon. Get some more no, I think Dr. Kirtle Jr. Yeah, I think so, too. At least we got more than yeah. the, the, what was it, plague, lockdown, uh... Pre-lockdown, lockdown, fake-out, pandemic, fake-out. 
True. We but, did get a little bit more. <laughs> I feel like this is them just tying up some of those loose ends. Yeah. Um, and also so, po- pro- properly solidifying Betty is on the good side of things for when um, the uh, the ghost mm. train comes to town. Right, um, right. She'll have conquered those inner demons and be ready to uh, face whatever person right. is uh, bringing us. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think this might be Betty's Betty's um, plot climactic moment for this season. In a lot of ways, or the, this this is this might be final form Betty that we've got come together and ready for um, ready for big big ghost train superhero fight. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That wasn't so bad on rewatch. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, second time through mm-hmm. is uh, you, when you look at it, like, if I forgive them, like, if I think of this as just a regular episode as opposed to the musical mm-hmm. episode, I quite enjoy it. Yes. Um, I do enjoy it. As but. a musical episode, from that lens, I was a little bit disappointed the first time through. Not mm-hmm, that anything mm-hmm. was poorly executed, um, just that it just didn't seem to have the energy that they've had in the past. Um, yes. But, you know, watching it again, it it's pleasant. You know, it's pleasant. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think it's just really lovely to see our, our Rebeldale gang all grown up and all supporting each other. And, um, mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm in it. I enjoy, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I'm, you know, other than, you know, cursing again, cursing your exes and their babies, <laughs> even if inadvertently rather frowned upon. Um, unethical, unethical. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, man, it's like just thinking about it. It's like, oh, do I have any that I would curse? Like given the option, <laughs> is this a thing that I would actually, <laughs> no, <laughs> I never really considered it as an actual option, but if I do, no, I still don't think I'd be cursing anybody. So yeah, frowned upon. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly babies. It seems pretty cut and dry. (laughs) So we'll wrap it there. Uh, Surprisingly pleased with that episode, I think. Um, And nice little tidbit of news. Um, Since we started recording this episode, Chloe's water's broken. So that's fun. (gasps) Yay! Yeah. Congratulations! So this is literally so the podcast during which Chloe gives birth. <laughs> sort of. Uh, the curse All right, of now we're going to cut to that. Gah! <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not going to cut to that. Uh, no, we yes. don't. We're going to cut back <laughs> cut to the next episode of Riverdale, uh, where we will catch you up on everything, gang. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, and see you next time.